0: This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska.
1: Sort of break it,
0: break it down like good. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not sorting through spam emails from Joe Patrick's hacked email address, <laughs> detailing good shopping moods and canon products, I'm writing about and praising comic books for workpoint.com uh, and My name
1: is Joe Patrick, manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska, and when I'm not... What is this?
0: Read it, baby.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when I'm not crying about how cold I am or how gross beer tastes, I'm the artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online.
0: The a man's man, ladies and gentlemen. This week you'll hear reviews of Sigil, number one, and Ultimate Spidey, number 155. We'll talk about some of next week's comics, answer some of your nerdy questions, and we've got a whole new segment for you kids, but before we get to any of that, let's talk about this week's big news.
1: At last weekend's Emerald City Comic Con, Marvel announced Morning Glory's creator, Nick Spencer, had signed an exclusive contract and would be taking over the writing duties on Secret Avengers along with Iron Man 2.0. Matt, is this good news?
0: This is good news. And I think it's more evidence that Marvel is going out of their way to build a younger talent pool and inject new life into their titles, new voices, and keep things fresh. And I think it's really bad news for DC. I think this is... Further evidence of the weird shakeup that's gone on at DC with the new people running the company. Nobody really knows what's going on and just losing creators, losing boatloads of creators to Marvel.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I heard a short interview with Spencer and uh, they were talking about like the – Super Supergirl situation where he like wrote the first issue yeah, and they, they had to bring in a co-writer. For those
0: who don't know, he was announced as the writer of Supergirl. <laughs> promptly wrote half of one issue and then was off and the then removed. Yeah, DC didn't
1: like it. He didn't. They didn't like what he did, and they brought in a co-writer. By the time they decided they did like what he did, he'd already signed with Marvel. See so, and.
0: And I know that DC has a different editorial idea of how to run their company, and they are really heavy on editorial decisions, whereas Marvel seems to give their creators a little more freedom. But you've got to wonder if this is bad for business.
1: Yeah, I mean, Spencer is a, a rising talent, and I really wanted to read a Supergirl book from him. I wanted to read Thunder Agents for, for any, more than
0: any DC ten issues. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's probably the end of Thunder Agents. It's not I, I suspect well
1: Thunder Agents will go away when his contracted work is up. So uh, it's too bad, but good news for Marvel. I think his Secret
0: Avengers is going to be great. In other DC news, it's time for Knee-Jerk Reactions, the Flashpoint Edition Part 2. On Friday, DC rolled out info on the rest of the Flashpoint miniseries and four one-shots that are coming. So once again, Joe and I will go title by title with instant knee-jerk reactions that will bring almost nothing to the table. (laughs) Starting with me. Flashpoint, Secret 7 Number 1, covers by George Perez, written by Peter Milligan, art by George Perez and Scott Koblish. Tagline, one among them will betray them all.
1: Looking forward to this one. Yeah. Peter Milligan, George Perez. Yeah, George Perez. it's that's, that's a good names. Yeah, I'm on board. They could do worse. Flashpoint, The Outsider, number one. Covers by Kevin Nolan. Writer James Robinson. Art Javi Fernandez. Tagline, he won't join the war. It could dirty his new suit. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, not really excited about what James Robinson's got going on at D.C. And uh, knee-jerk reaction, not really excited about this one.
1: Disagree. I think Robinson is... Up and down for sure, but overall, I I think he's still got it. Uh, I think this one could be fun. I don't know who Javi Fernandez is, but got to love those Kevin Nolan covers. At
0: least there's a name we recognize. Flashpoint, Abin Sur, The Green Lantern, number one. Covers by Felipe Massafera, written by Adam Schlagman, and art by Felipe Massafera. Tagline, he survived the crash. Uh,
1: Again with the Adam Schlagman.
0: Yeah, who is this guy?
1: He's all over this event, and I don't know him. They love him. You'd think I would have researched it in between this show and last, but I didn't, so... Uh, Flashpoint, Lois Lane in The Resistance, number one. Covers by Eddie Nunez and Sandra Hope. Writers Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Hey, art by Eddie Nunez, tagline... She's ready to reveal the Amazon secret.
0: Uh, fun. I love Dan Abnett. I love Andy Lanning. I, Me too. I trust him implicitly, and it'd be nice if maybe they were writing a mainstream DC book. Who knows?
1: Um, I didn't really care for the
0: Eddie Nunez cover, but... Eh. Meh. Flashpoint. Wonder Woman and the Furies. Number one. Covers by Ed Benes. Written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Art by Scott Clark and David Beatty. Tagline, if she can't save the world, no one will.
1: This one I'm on board for. Uh, again, Abnett and Lanning, we know that they're good. And Scott Clark. And uh, Scott Clark is the artist of the Firestorm bits of Brightest Day. So and, he's uh, fun. And
0: for the record, this Wonder Woman outfit, a lot cooler than J. Michael Szerzynski's Wonder Woman outfit. <laughs> Thinned helmet and all.
1: Flashpoint Kid Flash Lost, starring Bart Allen, number one. That is a terrible title. Terrible. Uh, covers by Francis Manipal uh sterling gates is the writer
0: art by oliver nome tagline where is he or should we say when uh sterling gates i'm 50 50 on i liked a lot of his uh supergirl we haven't seen a whole lot else from him could, uh,
1: yeah sterling
0: gates i could be fun but uh when you've got a flash character that's lost in a separate alternate reality that's the alternate reality the main story is taking place in we'll, no way dude we'll see
1: this one i'm excited for i love the flash family stuff Uh, I like Sterling Gates a lot, and, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I don't know who this artist is, but Francis Manipal is awesome.
0: Flashpoint. Frankenstein and the Creatures of the Unknown, number one. Covers by Doug Mankey. Written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Ibrahim Ibrahim. Roberson. Every week we try to kill someone's name. tagline we well, have only they, just begun oh yeah they can't survive unless they find their maker this one sounds
1: awesome it does <laughs> i love frankenstein and a bunch of monsters doing stuff yeah last time board. we saw
0: the grant morrison frankenstein with seven sisters <coughs> it was the really the only book that i remember caring a lot about
1: um i think he's popped up in other places but not just, not um, as He's like a lead up. character I think that's correctly. just the last
0: time I cared about him. Um
1: Jeff Lemire I still like the guy even though I'm kind of 50-50 on his mainstream DC yeah. uh, but a book about monsters I think he'd be good on that uh, Flashpoint Project Superman number one covers by Gene Ha plot by Scott Snyder script by Lowell Francis With art by Gene Ha.
0: I love Gene Ha. The thing that scares me here is plot by Scott Snyder. I like Scott Snyder, but this pangs of Frank Miller's RoboCop at Avatar, (laughs) written by no one you've ever heard of. Who's
1: Lowell Francis?
0: No idea. Who is Lowell Francis? I don't know either. Seems we have another case of several names we don't know, a few we do recognize. I guess I'm a little more excited for some of these than what we talked about last week.
1: Yeah, some some of these sound better than the first batch. I'm cautiously optimistic about several
0: of them. Of the four one-shots, reverse Flash one looks all right to me, and the Canterbury Cricket looks beyond bizarre.
1: But that's the one drawn by Rex Morales.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately. What the heck? <laughs> like the minis, they seem for the most part to be written by editors and drawn by new guys like Pornsack porn Sack pitch it Who has the art duties on Flashpoint Green Arrow Industries number one, and if you're keeping score, that is the second name we've butchered Can this we week.
1: say Porn sack on a clean
0: podcast? <laughs> We're going for it, buddy. All right.
1: That's the news that caught our interest this week. If there's anything we missed, anything you want to talk about, hit us up on our Facebook page or send us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. But now it's time once again for reviews. We're talking about a couple of comics that came out this past Wednesday, March 9th.
0: Matt, what did you read this week? This week I read Sigil, or Sigil, number one, from, uh, Sigil? We'll go with Sigil, Sigil. from Marvel CrossGen. I would
1: slap you if you said Sigil.
0: And I'm calling it Marvel slash CrossGen. Just for clarification's sake. Okay. (laughs) Uh, One's written by Mike Carey with art by Leonard Kirk and colors by Guru Effects. CrossGen is back, folks. It's been almost seven years since the company went under, but thanks to Disney's incredible foresight in buying the company in 2004 and then buying Marvel last year, CrossGen has new life. Now, CrossGen had a good cult following back in the day, but it remains to be seen if fans are going to glom onto this one or not. But high operating costs ultimately did the company in. When they formed back in 1998, the first order of business was to create a universe with a with a history. So the stories all took place in an intertwined, continual universe. Mark Alessi and Gina M. Villa were tasked with the cross-gen history at the time. And then Barbara Kessel, Mark Wade, and Ron Mars, names we are all familiar with, sure. created the first wave of titles. And the idea was great. Yeah. Give readers a developed universe they could jump into on the ground floor and hit it running. I was a big fan of Scion and Ruse back in the day, but I never dove too deep into the cross-gen U before they went bankrupt. The cross-geniverse. The cross-geniverse? Ooh, I like it. I just made that up. So this is my first experience with Sigil, and I found myself a little shocked. Instead of being thrust into the sword and sorcery meets technology stories I remember... I got the story of Samantha Ray, high school student struggling to get good grades while fending off female bullies and dealing with the recent death of her mother. Carrie's really good here, I should say. His dialogue is very believable, very well written. I felt like we were reading Teenagers. It it didn't seem forced or cloying to me. Actually, very well written.
1: I thought the bullies were a little forced.
0: Towards the end, yeah, they did get a little... They were
1: kind of like cartoon characters of bullies.
0: A little bit. Um, I did find Mom's Tombstone a little strange, which read certain... Is death for the living and certain is life for the dead. <laughs> you know, like, ah, eh, that's kind of weird. Grim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love you, mom. But Carrie uh, does a really good job setting up Samantha's world, and maybe a little too well. I think he could have shortened things a little bit. I didn't get bored, but the whole issue, aside from a couple of visions and the last couple of pages, is pretty much set in high school.
1: Um, I, you know, I don't agree that it was uh, drawn out. I, I think you needed. I think they needed to show, you know, her regular life getting interrupted by these weird visions. Right. And it was there. And I thought it was effective. You know, the more they did it, the longer the visions were until she was just
0: gone. And I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying I wasn't ready for it, sure. I guess. I never read Sigil back in the day. You
1: weren't expecting high school melodrama.
0: No, I really wasn't.
1: Now, Sigil was the book, if I am remembering correctly, that was kind of like the uh, a space book.
0: Oh uh, Well, it was sort of all over the place. It, like, started Cross Genesis... Number one is where Sigil sort of started, and they kind of went into the idea that the Sigil Bearer could sort of travel between all these, I don't know if they were universes or dimensions, but everything that was happening in the cross-gen universe.
1: But Sigil specifically, this comic called Sigil.
0: It kind of took place in space more than anywhere else.
1: And it was a guy with the
0: same name instead of a girl. I believe so. Well, it wasn't a guy named Samantha.
1: But it was like Sam Doll or something. Something like
0: that. Same basic name. Yes, And if we're wrong, correct us. Send us emails and correct us.
1: As in typical fashion, we did zero (laughs) research.
0: (laughs) High standards of comic journalism, folks. (laughs) Uh, When the story finally does kick in, though, back to what we were saying, it seems Carrie is setting up a Return of Crossroads El Cazador title, which was sort of a high-seas pirate adventure. I didn't read much of that, but I do recall liking it. And if all of these titles are coming back, I'm in. I I really am. I'll I'll check it out because it, it... It was fun. I do miss Cross-Gen. I really enjoyed Ruse back in the day. I really enjoyed Scion was another one, but we'll get to that.
1: But, I mean, this is not the return of Cross-Gen. This is a complete reboot of all the concepts from scratch. It is.
0: It is a return of Cross-Gen, but it is definitely a reboot.
1: So, I mean, if you are—and, in fact, I've heard this complaint. If you are a fan of the old Cross-Gen, hoping for a return to the same concepts, the same characters— You are not necessarily going to get that.
0: Right, and I'm okay with that, honestly. Me too, because I never
1: read Crossgen.
0: I think we can go ahead and update it, and it wasn't a big enough thing. It was definitely a cult thing back in the day. Yeah. So it's not like you're upsetting millions of readers here. If you were upsetting millions of readers, maybe cross would still be around. (laughs) Kirk's pencils are always really solid, and I, I really enjoy his work. He doesn't do anything flashy. He's a very classic comic penciler in the best sense of the word. He gets his ideas across, creates motion, and does it without any tricks, or repetitive splash pages.
1: Yeah, there's. it's just all there on the pages. There's no... Um... Yeah, he
0: just kind of lays it out in a very Silver Age sense almost. Uh, the color I found to be pretty stale. I mean, it looks good and vibrant, but there's just no depth to anything. And I feel like Guru has been guilty of this before. It's definitely computer colored. And it feels pretty flat to me. All
1: comics are computer
0: colored. I mean, I got that. But you look at another guy like Will Quintana who did the coloring for Silver Surfer that we just reviewed a couple weeks ago, who made everything feel very three-dimensional and flashy and thick.
1: Okay, but did you stop to think that maybe that's intentional? She's in the real world for most of the book.
0: You know, I hadn't thought about that. I suppose they maybe were trying to make it look kind of dull. Because I will eh, say, when, I pay it, attention. when it gets to the fantasy Layers. side, it's definitely flashier. Yeah, That's it. You know what? I hadn't noticed that. You're good welcome. Co- good call there, Joe Patrick. <laughs> The comic was definitely effective in the sense that it, it piqued my interest. I'm going to read more, but it kind of felt like a zero issue to me, and maybe it's it's conditioning more than anything else. I, I'm i used to being thrown right into stories, and we didn't necessarily get thrown into it. They're building something here. I think Kerry is doing something different. He's telling a different kind of story, and I am on board. I can't stress that enough. I just need to get used to what he's doing or... Maybe even revisit some of my old cross-gen books just to see, like, what the storytelling was like. Because I remember it being different than anything else on the stands, and they're definitely going for something different here. I think Carrie is a very underrated Marvel writer, and he's also doing great work with Age of X right now. Overall, I give this one a buy-it. Not not a real strong buy-it, because it might not be for everybody. And it's definitely not a must-read unless you're an old-school cross-gen nerd and you're kind of excited for this. But if you want something new and you want to check out something totally removed from the Marvel U where you can jump right in, this is your book. I agree. I give
1: it a buy as well. It's kind of hard to imagine what Marvel – who Marvel is aiming this book at. Um, I got that feeling too. Because it's – cross-gen, like you said – was more of a cult favorite than a big runaway hit. You know, for Marvel to be bringing it back now with this kind of higher-profile launch, I'm not really sure who their target audience is. That said, maybe it's me, because I didn't read the old stuff. Yeah. And I picked this up, and I read it, and I was perfectly fine with it. My but- reasons for reading cross are well-documented in past episodes. <laughs> so, uh, it's not like I had anything against the idea. But... Coming into this completely cold with no prior knowledge to CrossGen, other than, you know, remembering the titles, I thought this was perfectly acceptable first issue. So
0: Do you think it was a Disney directive? Because they own it? They went, Hey, Marvel.
1: Uh no, because we got this thing. I mean, if Disney had wanted to do something with Cross Gen properties, they would have done
0: it years ago. That's true. Or at Boom or something.
1: I think the only reason they brought cro- bought Cross Gen was to get a hold of that. A bad-as-ad concept. That's a mouthful. A bad-as-ad. A (laughs) bad-as-ad.
0: So that's a double buy-it on sigil number one. Joe, what did you read this week?
1: I read Ultimate Spider-Man 155 from Marvel, written by everybody's favorite, Brian Michael Bendis, Uh, art by Chris Somney. This is the final installment of the prelude to Death of
0: (laughs) Spider-Man. Only in comics, folks. Yes.
1: Uh, I was not expecting chris Somney to be on this book i didn't realize it i, I don't pay any attention to the credits because it's usually either lafuente or uh sarah pacelli and three pages in i'm like this is chris Somney," and i was so pleased because i am such a big fan of him he uh did some work for dc he drew the mighty
0: um they did the Mighty Thor. Book, he did Thor, the Mighty Aven- uh, yeah, Thor, Thor, the, the Mighty Avenger. Avenger.
1: Criminally underrated. Thor, yeah. the Mighty Avenger. Really
0: sad to see that go. Um,
1: and you know this, this guy's just a great, great artist. And I've been waiting for him to get some sort of high-profile assignment, and yep. this is
0: it. Buy his stuff. Great guy.
1: Yeah, I was so pleased to see him draw in this book. There are all these little touches in there that I appreciate, like Ultimate Rocket Racer. <laughs>
0: Because we needed that.
1: I uh, like He's never named in the comic, but there's this... It's totally Rocket Racer. It's racing. definitely Rocket Racer. You the yellow well, right I confirmed it on Twitter with Chris Somni. Oh, okay. Ultimate Rocket Racer. Uh, Kitty Pryde is wearing a, an outfit with like lo- a sweater with a Lockheed design on it. It's just all the little touches. It is a beautifully, beautifully drawn book. It is a completely different look than past Ultimate Spider-Man artists. It really caught me by surprise in a good way. Um, It is a really great fit for this book considering it's light on action and heavy on emotional character
0: moments. Definitely.
1: And the artwork excels at, like, facial expression and body language and just showing how these characters are reacting to each other. Like, even without the dialogue, you'd be able to tell that – Peter is a little bit apprehensive in front of Jonah. Absolutely. And
0: Jonah is this kind of domineering presence. And the dialogue itself, the the conversation between Peter and Jonah is something that has never been done in a Spider-Man comic book. And it's something so simple and so well executed that even if you're not reading this comic, I think you you should pick this up just to read what happens here because it is so well done and such a great idea.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, this is Bendis at his best. Absolutely. Um, I have criticized him in the past because I don't think he's always the best at action scenes and, like, blockbuster moments, but where he excels is the quiet character emotional moments. Right, And that's what this issue is. I'm, I realize now I didn't even actually recap the story of the book, but basically Peter is, it seems like things are kind of falling into place. He's reuniting with old friends. He's clearing the air with Jonah, famous past nemesis. Uh, You know, things are kind of...
0: Whose life he saved recently.
1: Yes. uh, In the uh, post-ultimatum relaunch, there was a great storyline where Peter and Jonah are captured by the chameleon twins and... um, We touch on that here. Revisit that kind of elephant in the room that has been left hanging since uh, that storyline ended. And the elephant, I won't spoil. I won't spoil it. I don't want to say anything. We won't tell you. We won't tell you. And so things are just kind of falling into place. And you just uh, you read through the issue, and you're just so happy to see all these things kind of clicking. And then you stop to realize... The next story is called The Death of Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Um, you're like, what is going to happen? I, I love this book so much. I just want these characters to persist. I don't know what The Death of Spider-Man is going to be about.
0: If it's anything like Batman R.I.P., it won't be about the main character dying.
1: <laughs> well, what I meant by that is that I'm not sold that it means a literal death of the character. I am I am enjoying seeing this kind of... these this elements of his life click into place so much that the idea that Bendis is just going to yank the rug out is kind of agonizing. And I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. You know, you're getting comfortable and now it's like, ha ha, but you didn't see that coming. (laughs) So this is a great issue. And there is a beautiful moment at the end with Peter and Mary Jane. Again, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to spoil it any further. Ultimate Spider-Man is better than it ever was. The Ultimate Universe overall kind of fizzled.
0: Yeah. Uh, But this book really has remained strong. If there's anything to stay on, it's...
1: Consistently
0: strong. And I gave it up and came back to it. Yes. And coming back, man, I don't know why I quit. Yeah. Quite honestly. And
1: I would be fine if this was the only Ultimate title and other other Ultimate characters just kind of came and went. Sure. Because... Nothing has maintained the level of quality that this book has. Agreed. It's a strong buy, obviously, if it wasn't clear from my rambling. Yeah. <laughs> strong buy
0: it from me, too, on this one. All right. Now, normally we'd be done with reviews at this time, but it seems two isn't enough for you crybabies. I'm reading your part, Joe. <laughs> well, well, you guys keep going. You guys keep threw going. notes attached to bricks through our windows, and we took notice.
1: All right, if these, uh, this is supposed to be Matt, so if this is vile, I, I apologize. Because we love you guys so much, we're in- introducing a new segment called The Lightning Round, where we hit you with 10 rapid fire reviews of 10 new comics every week. That's a 500% increase in reviews.
0: And it's off to a great start so far. Cue the music! Venom number one. Okay, Tony Moore stood on his head, drew this one with his feet. It was kind of hard to look at, and Venom can do everything short of teleport. But I think I might like it, so buy it. Punisher Max, number 11. The delays on this book. Did not make the
1: length of the storyline worth it. Thank God it's over. It's the only comic I've ever read that made me rich.
0: (laughs) And we reviewed Cross two weeks (laughs) ago. Skim it. Batman and Robin number 21. Best Batman book on the stands. I'm saying that even considering there's a Morrison book out there. Strong buy it. Batman Incorporated number three. Second best Batman book (laughs) on the stands.
1: Uh, Super sexy Batman tangling with super villains in Argentina. Buy it. New Avengers
0: number 10. Uh, Mike Diodato makes me feel funny about men and their chests I when don't I look like at his it. drawings, and I think I'm done with it. I don't like the art. Yeah, I'm still, I give it a you buy, it buy for it. quality ride. You gotta buy New Avengers. Giving it a buy It. Superboy, number five.
1: I wish it was better. Agreed. Skim it. <laughs> Incredible Hulk 624.
0: Uh, the Hulk is apparently pregnant. Kind of weird. Pregnant with bugs. <laughs> pregnant with bugs. But still a lot of Kazar, a lot of Savage Land, a lot of Deo Legos, Sam. Give me buy it. Skim it. Onslaught Unleashed, number two. I read it so you don't have to. <laughs> and I appreciate that. It's a,
1: it's the Young Allies Secret Avengers crossover that you didn't know you wanted.
0: Or maybe you just didn't want it. So, uh, skim it. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, Birds of Prey 10. Uh, love the story what was this art what happened to Ed Benny's? where'd he go he what else is he doing fell off the earth yeah G- uh, disappointing end of the
1: story skim it oh disagree I really liked the ending buy I
0: it I the writing bad art terrible art sticking with skim it. Justice League Generation Lost number 21 this should be Justice League of America why
1: isn't it Justice League of America yeah much better I wish it was Justice League of America buy it <laughs>
0: something you want to add to our lightning round close to our facebook page as always i loved it now let's take a look at the comics we're excited about for the week of wednesday march 16th joe
1: i am super excited for fear itself book of the skull
0: number one me too me too Uh,
1: we got uh ed brubaker and scott eaton on that book uh it's obviously kicking off marvel's big event the red skull the female red skull the creepy daughter is triggering Terrible cosmic badness. Well, this
0: is according to Matt Fraction at last week's Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah, so we're hoping he's telling the truth.
1: Yeah, he reiterated again in an interview on Newsarama. So probably true. I'm super excited for it. I like Scott Eaton. I don't think he really gets enough work.
0: I agree. Speaking of Fear itself, it's time for the question of the week. We want to know what you guys think about the difference between Marvel's Fear itself event and DC's Flashpoint event. Do you prefer 14 different miniseries, or would you like one core book? And little side stories to run through all your regular monthly books. Go to our Facebook page and let us know. I'm excited for Ruse number one by Mark Wade and Mike Perkins. This is another Marvel cross gen book. Ruse was the first cross gen book that I kind of fell in love with back in the day, it led me to reading other cross gen books. I just love Mark Wade, and I love Mark Wade writing Victorian detective fiction, and I like Mike Perkins. This looks like a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm all for it.
0: I'm sure by now you know what that music means. It's time for Ask a Nerd, where we answer your comic-related questions. Now, there's no nerd stripes up for grabs this week, but a very good question that ties into our uh, earlier news we were talking about. This comes from Nick via Facebook, who wants to know, what will the exclusive Marvel writer tag placed on Nick Spencer do to Morning Glories and his non-Marvel work? Joe, you want to field this one?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I think that Morning Glories will continue unimpeded. Uh, there. Typically, there has been a clause in the past allowing for creator-owned work for the big indie guys. You know, when Bendis first came to Marvel, sure. you know, they let him keep doing powers
0: and that sort of thing. When Kirkman was working at Marvel, he kept doing Walking Yeah, exactly right.
1: Dead. Uh, so I don't think Morning Glories or Infinite Vacation or any of that stuff is in danger. I do think... I, I did read the facts that anything that he started before he signed will continue However, I'm sure he's only signed on to do a specific number of, say, for example, Thunder agents. Oh, it's
0: dead in the water.
1: And so when he's done with those contracted issues, he's off that book.
0: Great book, too. And and DC should have pushed this one more, because it really is great.
1: And, you know, we talked about how it's selling or not selling. Uh, so, I think that once Spencer's off the book, expect the book, the book to go away pretty
0: rapidly. I also, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Morning Glories does continue, if it ended up at Marvel Icon in the next couple of years, sort of like what happened with Powers. Yeah, I mean,
1: Spencer, Spencer's not exactly it, the kind so of it- name that, like, Bendis or Brubaker or Matt Fraction... Yet. Yet. Exactly right. So, perhaps given a little bit of time, if Morning Glories continues to be a success... Marvel will say, bring that over to Icon, and we will, you know, throw our weight behind it.
0: Thanks for the question, Nick. As always, if you have a comic question or trivia challenge for DJ here, which stands what? for Dainty Joe, the, what? New, the new nickname I'm trying to slap on my buddy... I hate you so much. Go ahead and post it on our Facebook page. Let me know what you think of the new nickname, too.
1: We've reached the end of another thrilling episode of the 2 headed Nerd Comic Cast. If the sweet sounds of our soothing voices make your world a better place, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and know that our... What? I'm not reading that. not offensive. I'm not reading that. Please give us a star review. Know that our nipples stand at attention every time
0: we get star reviews. Please don't judge us based on his writing, please. Uh you just can't wait for next week's show. Become a fan of our Facebook page where you can answer the question of the week, submit Ask a Nerd questions, or beg us for some required reading suggestions.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at 2 Edited Nerd or send an email to 2 nerd at gmail.com.
0: You can follow my Comic Speculator blog where I write about comics new and old at worthpoint.com and follow me on Twitter at Matt Fomstein.
1: And you can find updates to my webcomic at goodplusonline.com, follow us on Twitter at goodplusonline, and follow me at joepatrick116.
0: Well, until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.
1: Annyeong!